0: The Jewish Divorce Project, because marriage doesn't always work out, and chicken soup doesn't always help.
1: Speaking of moods, yes, doesn't it kind of feel like? the country wants to get divorced right now that like we've had four years you know whatever political party you're, you're from but we've had four years that you can argue we're not great by any stretch of the imagination and one party said to the other we're done that's it you gotta go and now it's move out day we're so
0: close to move out day
1: so close to move out day. What was move out day like for you? did you move out?
0: No, my ex moved out. my ex moved out and then moved back in. Um, I think he was advised legally that if he abandoned the property or abandoned the family that there would be more legal repercussions for him. Um, so he moved back in and then that was like another few months and then he moved out at the in the end.
1: Yeah on move that
0: day. I'm trying, trying to remember the me that that
1: day. End up moving out. I have to check the statistics on that.
0: Probably. Why do you think that is?
1: I think it's a matter of wealth, something like that. Like the reasons why so many, um, custody disputes end with child support on the on the part of the, of the father, I think it has something to do with income. Uh, and the fact that men generally make more than women and, and, uh, uh, a father or a husband probably leaves the house and you know says she can have it because it's a matter of wealth and you know it'll help her out that way and she shouldn't have to worry about going to buy a house or anything like that that's the sense you that could, i get
0: although that's not a true statistic i don't anymore. know that it's a
1: true statistic and i have to that, look it up specifically That
0: men are more wealthy than women
1: it's not a matter of men are more wealthy than women although i, I wonder about that where the wealth in this country is gener is you know concentrated, uh, if it is mostly amongst men or if it is mostly amongst women, I I would have to imagine it's mostly amongst men, just given the, again, given the income disparity. And then also just given the way the patriarchal society has worked in that way to favor men, you know, I I couldn't honestly say, but that's the sense that I get is that a a burden of, you know, allowing the mother or helping the mother or the woman to live in a financially stable places moving out and giving her the house.
0: I think it's based off of two societal norms. So one is that belief that the husband or or father makes more money so that he can go and find a new place, but also that the mother's the maternal um, more homebody and that she should stay in the the home that the kids are in and, and be there with them with less disruption, which is interesting. Or is it that it's the person who decides to leave, leaves?
1: Either way. I mean, I'm sure it could go either way, depending on how you have to end up doing that. I'm sure some people end up digging their heels in and say, I'm not leaving. So you got to figure out what you're going to do because then they're all the, I mean, you got to buy someone out, right? How does that work? Do you have the finances to do that? Certainly wasn't anything that I was in a position to do at the time. Right. And so I ended up leaving. That was a painful thing. I mean, thinking about like, just, I don't know, I kind of stepped outside myself and, Saw it, you know, like as my son might, in the sense that, like, my dad is leaving the house, and that was really heartbreaking. That was what so was
0: day. move out day like for you?
1: It was rough. Um, it happened in you know spurts. There was, you know, I I had a place to go, and so I packed some stuff up at one point and took it over and started moving in. And then we were on vacation, or at least I was on vacation with the boys, and I came back and I moved more stuff out, and that was a rough day. Um, There was arguing and whatnot that went on just about property and stuff, Uh, nothing major, but it was uncomfortable and it just made it even worse.
0: And then you went into your own apartment. You had something set up already?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I rented a house in town. I wasn't about to move out of town or anything like that. I didn't want it to be more stressful than it was. I wanted it to be very easy. I wanted to maintain custody in a real easy and efficient way. And so I rented a house 10 minutes from the other one. and it's probably equidistant from the boys' school. And so it makes life really easy.
0: And what was that first night like?
1: Unnerving, there's no question about it. It was really unnerving. I, I There's part of me that likes the feeling of moving into a new place. There's a sense of adventure and curiosity and you get to set it up and be creative. And um, this was very much just kind of like a moving into a glorified prison.
0: Ooh, a yeah. prison, that's an extreme statement.
1: Yeah, I tend to be emotional about things like that. Why did
0: it feel like a prison? If anything, you were getting more freedom in in some ways.
1: Yeah, if anything, I was getting more freedom. I hadn't realized it at the time, uh, but it you know it was I screwed up in some way, and so this is the consequence of my actions, and so mm. here I am in this prison. I don't get to be with my kids, which is really the be all and end all of my existence. You know, I I really love them. I love spending time with them. I love being a father and a figure to them. And I screw up, I try to learn from those mistakes and be a teacher to them as a result. But that was just so devastating to me. It was kind of like, this is the, you know, you don't get to be with your kids. Your marriage may have ended, but you don't get to be with your kids half the time.
0: So your move out felt like a punishment, a banishment.
1: Well, the whole thing felt like a punishment.
0: What an interesting perspective from the other side.
1: Yeah, because for you, it probably the other felt side, like it liberation. it feels like an
0: abandonment. It feel, no, it feels like an abandonment.
1: On your side?
0: From one extreme. Obviously, it's a yep. very, you know, multifaceted experience. There's, yep. you feel great, you feel terrible. You feel freedom, you feel punished. There's so many um, opposite experiences that are going on. So the relatable experience from the other side is this feeling of abandonment. You're, you know, you're not, it's not a new home, so it doesn't feel like I'm being punished in that way, but now it feels very lonely. I'm all alone. I've, the, the things that I've lost and the things that have left.
1: Yeah, that was certainly, um, there was, uh, it's funny about it. Um, I was talking with a friend that was having a really low moment and I was thinking about, um, well, people that I'd lost in my life, like friends that had died and whatnot, which can be real tragedies uh, and you know, the, it's funny because there was a sense of concreteness that I had to those. Like I was at those funerals and for as difficult as it is to kind of see a body put in the ground and whatnot, there's a sense of closure to that, right? And you come to adjust to it, right? You come to adjust to a lot of things. It was funny how I described uh, my family as having just like left me, just as you said, like there was this abandonment feeling about it. Um, you know, a divorce is a death in some ways. We've talked about that, but Um, I felt very differently about it in terms of the other deaths that I experienced. There was that feeling of abandonment, like you just said.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's a hard, it's a hard moment. And just to go back to what you said before that there's a lot of people living in this, the no man's land where they can't afford to two residences and they are essentially divorced, very much separated, very much not married, but living in the same house. That's a rough, experience to be in
1: so how do you get along then how do you you know reconcile after all that right this is a country we're going to have to figure out a way to reconcile that's what mlk day i think is a lot about it's about accountability it's about reconciliation it's about overcoming differences and trying to make it all work how do you do that when there's been a lot of pain involved and particularly when the departure isn't good and there are these feelings of potentially punishment or abandonment in some way right like it's a it's a beautiful concept, right? The idea of forgiveness, It really is a beautiful concept like Marge Pearcy says, but uh, you know I don't know how to accomplish it necessarily. I don't know how that looks in divorce.
0: Well, you do know how it looks in divorce.
1: I, what do you mean?
0: Do you feel like you, you've not been able to move on and to forgive and to own your part?
1: I mean, I certainly feel like forgiveness is one thing. Again, going back to that Marge Percy poem, and I'll I'll share it for everyone. I'll post it on Instagram or something like that or on the, on the Facebook page. You know, forgiveness is something that just kind of happens, right? Sometimes because you don't have the energy anymore to be angry about it. And that's kind of where I am. Like, I have no interest in being angry. And so forgiveness is the next logical route because it just leads me to peace in that way. But at the same time, there's plenty of other things that I have, you know, running around my mind in terms of honesty and reconciliation and accountability and like truths that I want to know or, you know, things that I still might be confused about as a result that led to the divorce. Right. I mean, I think I, I wonder if everyone has it. Like, how do you move on from a certain thing that's so like major and potentially did real damage to your life in some way? Right. How do you do that? How do you move on? without getting the full story, it's forgiveness enough. And I don't think it is.
0: What do you mean by the full story? You want to hear their perception?
1: Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's figuring out exactly what their experience was like. right? Why is and
0: that important?
1: Don't know. I really don't know. But knowing what their experience is like, I don't gonna start speaking in I statements, knowing what my experience was like, knowing what Tamar's experience was like, Right. Let me localize it just to me. I, I wonder if the same is true for other people. Right. I mean, I look, I, I wonder what the experience was like for Trump folks over the past four years. Right. They clearly were living in a different world than I think a lot of us. And so, you know, I would really want to know what's going on for them. But again, yeah, for me, I want to know more about what's going on. Or I want to How know what that
0: help you or change the reality
1: It's a good question. I don't know. I think I would at least walk away thinking like, okay, there's closure to it. That's it. I know everything that there is really possibly to know. And maybe I'm just ruminating. Maybe this is just a function of there's a pandemic and there's not that much to do. So my mind is wandering and going, you know, like there's information I don't have about things. Let's fill in those files.
0: But what's amazing is that you can fill in the files with whatever you want. Even if Tamar were to tell you you have actually no um, verification that what she's saying is true. Maybe she'll tell you what she thinks you want to hear. Maybe she'll tell you what she thinks she needs to say to get what she wants from you. Who knows what what's coming out of her mouth is, is actually what happened or what she believes. And so even in that scenario, you have to take it with a grain of salt. So why not just fill in the blanks yourself?
1: You're telling me though that the, there's never an apology or anything like that that you wanted from your ex as a result of what happened in your marriage.
0: Apology is different than an explanation.
1: Okay. So you, you didn't you, say
0: you wanted an apology. You said you wanted to understand what happened.
1: That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point. There's a difference between apologies and explanations.
0: And it's a good question, if an apology is necessary.
1: I you know, it's funny. I don't I don't feel the need for one. I really don't.
0: Ever Ever since I started looking, I, you know, the saying hurt people, hurt people. And I just envisioned the world as these, as we're so like micro uh, one celled organisms of just this hurt. <laughs> we're just a ball of hurt going through the world, reacting to our experiences based off our personal hurts. And then we bump into each other and sometimes we'll help each other and sometimes we'll hurt each other. But When I started looking at things like that, it's it's just, it's not personal. It's just people are going through what they're going through and they express and they act and they cope and they interact with other people based off of their hurt. And are apologies nice? Yeah, sometimes they're really nice. Do you get them often? Not all the time, especially not in divorce.
1: But don't you think that should inherently be part of the process? Like wouldn't you want to come together at some point and like just relinquish all those things just to come together and take accountability for shit and just wash it all the way rather than live with the mystery? I get what you're saying in terms of, does it really matter what the other person says? You can put in your own stuff in there. That makes a lot of sense. What about like searching and yearning for honesty in that way and knowing about things? Doesn't that matter?
0: Does it matter?
1: Yes, I think it does.
0: Why? Why? the marriage is over
1: because you have so little control over things in life as it is. Why would it hurt to give people a little piece of what's really going on?
0: Well, that's not what you're asking. You're like, why, why would it hurt for her to give me a little piece of what's going on?
1: That is what I'm asking. That's exactly what I'm asking.
0: Because right, right now you said that you would let other people know what happened, what's going on for you. Yes. but you want her to tell you what's going on in her mind or what her story or narrative was of her experience. Yes,
1: yes. When I think about either. it, it's not such a major question.
0: Do you have unanswered questions?
1: I think I just wonder what it was like, that's all. I think I really just wonder what it was like, yeah. I don't think of anything really specific. Because I don't know. Again, I don't know that it would help, but I think I just generally wonder what it was like. What it was what was it like being married to me?
0: Why don't you ask for that? That's that a very could be a good question. idea.
1: <laughs> Do you ever wonder what your husband thinks about what it was like being married to you? Your ex husband.
0: I think first of all, I I know enough from what he told me in our marriage. I know what his issues and his challenges were, and I I know. Not everything but I'm aware of things that I could have done better or I did wrong and I can imagine what that was like to be, you know, in a relationship with that. Hmm. It's interesting to get that closure of like, um, the the exit interview. (laughs)
1: Like, Here's where I'm at with it right because I have a story from our tradition that that gives me guidance there's no question about it we've got stories about forgiveness and acceptance and all that stuff and. So it goes like this, there's this rabbi, Rabbi Elazar, and he's leaving a study hall after a lot of days of learning lots of Torah and he's just kind of bloated and he's pompous with all the Torah that he's learned. And uh, he comes across someone who he judges to be ugly. And so he says, how ugly are you, right? You're so ugly, I wonder if all the people in your town are that ugly. Of course, the ugly guy, he gets offended by that and you know, holds the rabbi accountable to which the rabbi then apologizes. Uh, and tries to act humbly as a result, but this guy holds them accountable until they actually get to Rabbi Elazar's hometown, to which the townspeople come out and say, "We understand that he offended you, but nonetheless, you know, forgive him, uh, you know, and he'll have learned his lesson." And, and to which the the ugly guy says, "Okay, look, I'll forgive him, but he's got to promise not to act in this way again." Right? Kind of setting up the process of what we know to be tshuva of growing from our mistakes and learning from them and not acting that way. And the lesson that um, Rabbi Elazar ends up teaching as a result of the experience is one should always be soft like a reed and hard like, and not hard like a cedar, soft like a reed and not hard like a cedar, right? And so like the sense I get from it is that there's flexibility involved, right? That you can't be like so, you know, tied in and so concrete about how you feel about things that nothing, you know, that like you're never swayed about it that you need to be able to be moved by things and flexible about things. And you know, maybe that means that people offend you and that they hurt you, but you have to move on from it because people are just people and they make mistakes. And maybe it also means that you're not so you know, tied into your own beliefs about things as well.
0: And I, I, I think that that's where it's at. I think the flexibility is in the story. So we all have a story about what has happened to us, or why things always happen, or why this person has treated us or continues to treat us a certain way. And I think that the magic is in the flexibility within the story. Make a new story. But I don't know if you're gonna, you hearing Tamar's story is gonna make it better for you. It's just another story. Yeah. And also something I heard recently that I thought was really profound was that if there's an issue in a relationship, it's your job. To fix the relationship or to express what you need differently in the relationship. We have this expectation that people are going to know how to treat us or read our minds um, and be with us in the way that we want to be being with, to be with. Um, and so taking ownership in, in that. of So the relationship was broken. What now it's, does the story matter? Does the story matter? Why, rather than new, the new story, the new relationship of how can I express myself and my needs?
1: Just moving on from it.
0: I think it, I think it would be really interesting and important to really get to the bottom of why it's so important for you.
1: I think I'm hung up on just having the complete story about things I don't like when there are gaps in things. I don't like making my own assumptions. I don't like filling in those gaps as well. I'd rather- know, having I'm the complete mom. story
0: will mean what for you?
1: I think it'll mean completeness.
0: So do you feel complete without this whole story? Incomplete?
1: I think part of me does. I think that's where the inclination at least to know a little bit more is, right? And that's where I'm having a hard time being a reed instead of a cedar, right, because I'm kind of just like, I need to know this, I need to know this, I need to know this, and I'm gradually getting to a point where it's kind of like, okay, maybe it's really not that important.
0: And how does it feel to get to that realization that it's not that important?
1: Well, it certainly means I think the future is open. And look, I... I if we're also talking about and I know they're not the same they're very different things, even if it feels like the country is going through a divorce it's not actually going through a divorce it's a political system that's far more complex than that. You know you can't easily just say to people let it go and move on I don't think that's what's really going to happen there's a lot of reconciliation that needs to go into you know the system here between people between parties it's just terrible. I do think there is a certain amount of flexibility, though, that needs to be involved that, you know, we're going to have to offer forgiveness to people, a great deal of forgiveness in order to say, like, this is a really messed up time and we need to move forward together. I think that's the lesson that you're trying to come to, which is that, like, you've each got your own lives now, right? We still have life to live and you can live it thinking about what happened in the past and constantly hold on to that. You know, and there is a value to that. I think there's a a certain amount of integrity involved in that. I think you also damage that integrity by probably holding onto it too tight.
0: Yes, but you also have the question of what's in the past and what continues to be going on. So if you get divorced and there's still abuse that's happening and there's still an abusive relationship or a toxic dynamic, you need to, it's not just, you need to let it go. It's dealing with the issue at hand.
1: Right. That stuff needs to be dealt with. And you just think about how many things are so much more open in the future, right? That someone once taught me that forgiveness is an investment in the future. I like that. It's an investment in the future. It's also a matter of not letting people live rent-free in your head, right? If I'm constantly worrying about this, right? If I'm constantly thinking about like, what is it that I don't know, right? Then what am I focusing my attentions on in the present moment right how much space am i taking up in that way that could be used for other things for other relationships that i want to be in right
0: i think it also might be a control thing of there's a lot that's outside of our control in a divorce and stressing out or worrying about a specific thought like what's the full story what's her perception what really happened is an attempt and desire to gain back control of if i think about it enough i'll figure it out mm-hmm. or if i stress I'll, you know, I have control over it because I'm, I'm, I'm not letting it go. So I, I'm still in it. And There's I think certainly an element to that.
1: Yeah, I think it feels a little bit like a control thing too. Yeah, wanting to know and having that sense of control over the information, control over what happened in my life. Yeah,
0: it's just, just, it's just gotta let it go.
1: <sighs> let it go. Disney was right.
0: Let it go. Yeah, Disney got it right. Oh
1: man, letting it go not easy
0: it, it's not easy and especially when it's not a full separation you we still have relationships with our that's right you know with our children's parents It's not a clean it's parents. not a cut and
1: dry thing you have to manage it
0: did you not discuss in your relationship the, the issues that you both had do you not have some understanding of what her perception was
1: as I think about it now, no, I mean, I, I don't think um, that we ever had a conversation like as we were going through a divorce, like what led to this? Um, I think I ended up making a lot of my own assumptions. Um, I know what it, what didn't lead to it, right? Like there was no infidelity, no abuse, no criminal activity or anything like that. all the stuff that I think you would clearly indicate are, you know, reasons for a divorce. And there's no question about it. Uh, it wasn't that way. So for me, I'm left with a lot of questions, and and you know, that could just be the way it is for a lot of people. And moving on is really just the way to go because there are circumstances in life, plenty more where there's mystery behind them, and seeking to find out absolutely everything about them isn't going to help you either. It could be more maddening than it could be health inducing.
0: Did you guys go to counseling? Mm-hmm. And that didn't come up. What the issues were?
1: Uh, it was surprising and i'm reluctant to share all the details that come out in counseling here but um it was surprising nonetheless
0: in don't without sharing the details what was surprising
1: the wanting of divorce
0: oh uh, okay you mean that just kind of threw you off yeah so it sounds like you're still a little bit reeling from the experience being so thrown off guard I don't know that
1: I'm reeling. I think that's if I was reeling, then I don't think I'd be really be able to move on in any other way, right? And go out there and date and meet other people or things like that, right? I, I'm certainly capable of that, and I'm not focused on this twenty four seven. But I think my therapist said something like, "You'll never be over your divorce." I don't know that that's true, right? But I thought that was really- like
0: you personally or one. Can never she, get over a divorce.
1: She meant it as one never really gets over a divorce. Like, what an interesting
0: always, conversation. That. Yeah, it
1: was. It was kind of. Interesting. And I love my therapist. Every now and then she throws me a curveball, which I really, you know, try to understand it. And so that was something that I'm still trying to understand because I, I don't know. I don't want that to be true, right? I'd like to be past this at some point and go, like, oh, okay, that was a blip.
0: I'm trying to understand which he or she. She what she might mean by that. So what does get over something mean? Is it, is there an impact? Yeah. So does it, does she mean, it would always be something that had an impact on your life. I I would agree with that. But is it always something that's going to be this blemish on your life and just something that you didn't process or.
1: I don't think she suggested that it was going to be a blemish. I think she was suggesting that there's always going to be pain because of the magnitude of it. you can disagree. Go ahead. I, I have no problem with that.
0: So if there's pain that, that means it's somewhat unprocessed.
1: Really? I mean, is not it possible? Look, I learned a wonderful lesson about grief, which is that you, you have to imagine yourself as a, as a square, right? And that grief is this big red ball. And when you, when someone first dies, that ball is really big. It's almost the entire size of the square. Mm-hmm. And so when it, whatever you do right that ball bumps into sides of the square pretty frequently when you're immediately going through grief and that's just how sensitive you are because that's the way grief works right you could be you know food shopping and in the broccoli aisle then all of a sudden break down into tears because that's the way grief works and over time that ball gets smaller it doesn't go away right it just gets smaller and so it takes more time And it occurs far less frequently in terms of bumping into things and feeling sensitive about that grief and breaking down. And I think that's the point that she's getting at is that the ball gets a lot smaller, but it's still there. And so there will be things that will bump into it from time to
0: time. I can understand that, but I also look look at it as if it changes, it morphs into a memory and a lesson rather than an active emotion.
1: Can't those also be twinged with a little bit of pain? And isn't that part of the purpose of it as well, that you recall the sadness or the pain involved so that you learn from it? That's what makes it the lesson?
0: How Jewish.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I am a rabbi. Do not forget the pain. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you're at a wedding, break the glass. Do not forget the suffering. (laughs) You could enjoy a tasty challah on Friday night, but instead you just put salt on it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, what a what a Jewish concept! I need to think about it. That I need to give that some thought. Of is it, is it one can never get over a divorce? I I just don't think it's phrased but, right.
1: But isn't no? I, I right. I I don't think that's phrased right. I think process. You've used that word several times. Process is probably the right word because uh, that suggests that there's just something there to you know think over. It's definitely not get over. Yeah. I think that's also what makes it an integrated, what makes us integrated people that like you are complex. You have different emotions about different things. And for as liberating as it can be, I'm not going to deny that. I feel liberated as a result of the divorce. There's lots of wonderful things that have come as a result of it. It doesn't mean there can't also be pain. The question is whether or not which one I think I choose to focus on, right? Like, sure, there could be a little bit of pain involved but that's brought me a great deal of pleasure, right? No pain, no gain, as they say in the gym. There's got to be a little bit of a tearing of the muscle in order for it to grow. That doesn't mean that there isn't still pain there involved in it.
0: But it's also a really important part of that is to understand why is it painful. So it yeah. sounds like your experience because you weren't prepared for it. There's a part of you that feels not good enough. You didn't do a good job. What did I do wrong? What What happened here? And so the pain is in not accepting or not understanding that part of yourself
1: that shadow of self-worth certainly comes up yeah it probably does for a lot of people what did i do when it's
0: unclear why when one when one person kind of just wants out and it it hasn't really been clearly defined why
1: right why wasn't i enough to sustain it that sort of thing why
0: wasn't i enough
1: that's a good one that's a heavy one
0: that's a core belief i'm not good enough
1: Oh, no question about it. Did you have a realization about yourself in that way? Maybe not about self-worth, but when the marriage was over, did you think about how it ended up impacting you that way?
0: That's all I thought about. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? How it impacted my self-worth?
1: Well, if it wasn't self-worth, it was something else maybe. I don't know.
0: I mean, everything is really how we interpret things based off our self-worth. Um, <laughs> it's really how it's really our experience of emotions is how does it relate to how I relate to myself? Um, so of course I thought about that. And there was a lot of pain also. I, I like I'm just, it's been, it's been a little bit longer for me, but there was yeah. so much pain. And I, and like I said, abandonment and I wasn't good enough and um, you weren't good enough. <laughs> there, there was a lot of that too. Yeah. Wow. So what was the lesson that MLK taught us that we can take with us?
1: Well, I certainly like the idea of uh, having dreams, right? And seeing a future where people can get along in harmony. He also talks about the ideas of um tough-mindedness and soft-heartedness, which ah, I take like a with,
0: reed and a cedar.
1: Yeah, like a reed and a cedar, which is why I take a lot of, you know, good inspiration from it. Uh, you know, tough-minded to know the difference between right and wrong, right? What's fact and what's myth, uh, to know what's truth and what's false, but also soft-hearted enough to love people, right? To love them even if they're our enemy, to love them even if they call us, if they cause us pain. I think that's a nice way to walk in the world, smart enough to know the difference between things, but vulnerable enough to love people regardless.
0: I think that's an excellent lesson, on our more personal levels of divorce of yeah, all of those things that you said are applicable to dealing with our own emotions and our feelings towards our co-parents.
1: I agree. I agree. In that way, can I share who our guest is next week? I'm really excited. Is that okay? Yeah. So <sighs> our guest next week, folks, you got to turn in for this. We're having a uh, co-author Ben Helfand uh, who co-authored the book, our happy divorce with his now ex-wife. And uh, he's going to be one of our guests, I'm really excited because he talks a lot about successful co parenting and the trials and tribulations involved and it's I think it's going to be a great episode.
0: yeah he's great.
1: Wonderful so uh, friends, this has been wonderful talking with you check us out on uh, Facebook and instagram at the Jewish divorce project and uh, you can also find us on the web, where can they find us on the web shabba
0: at jewishdivorceproject.com or you can find both mine and Noam's personal information if you want to be in touch with any questions, any answers to any of the questions that we brought here. Is uh, putting out to the world, what do you guys think? Is divorce something that one can never get over? And what does that mean for you when you hear it? We'd love to hear your perception of that.
1: Thanks a lot, everyone. Have a great day.